It's their yardstick. Judge not by how well they do for themselves, but how much good they do for their customers and each other. Not just because it feels good, but because they believe that good is good business. Do good. Be good. Make good. National Life Group. Vermonters agree. Every child deserves a strong start. But how do we help them succeed? 80% of the brain develops by age 3 and 90% by age 5. So, for our youngest children, learning starts day one. Through reading, singing, talking, and playing, we help them build the skills they need to succeed in school, in relationships, in life. Join the statewide conversation about the importance of the first years at letsgrowkids.org. RB Technologies on Route 14 in East Montpelier has been creating and supporting thoughtfully designed, custom-crafted computer networks and communication systems for their business clients since 1997. Here's team member Chad Avery. I believe RB Technology wants to provide transparent IT business solutions to clients who want a peace of mind about their IT infrastructure. Creating respectful business partnerships is our goal. We are a growing Central Vermont business with a dedicated staff to provide IT solutions that work. We are professionals and will always treat you with respect. With our new remote management and monitoring system, we can provide remote support and IT solutions efficiently. I evaluate success through good relationships, teamwork, and finding the balance in every step. We are all in business together. The team at RB Technologies knows it's all about building lasting relationships. Call 223-4448 or online at rbtechvt.com. When you think of business technology and communications, think of RB Technologies. And uh, let's give a nice warm radio from out. Welcome this morning. Joining us here in our studios this morning, Governor Sean Lynn. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, it's great to be with you. How's had, Neil had Young? Had a wet night. Neil Young How's was Neil fantastic. Young doing? I mean, your newest best friend, Neil Young. Neil Young, first of all, gave $100,000 to the Vermont Food Fight, food fight Fund. So that, that's Which had help. nothing to do with your whether or not you liked the show or your friendship Absolutely with Absolutely none. But, uh, but uh, he really is committed to getting food labeling across the country and you know vermont's going to be sort of ground zero for that i mean if we win this suit i think it'll go nationwide over time just like marriage equality if we lose it's going to slow us down big time so uh having any support for that but you know when you think about it and here's a guy that's going to be i i happened to google it november 12 he's going to be 70 years old and he got up there and knocked it out last night uh, like, you know, he was in his 40s. I mean, great music, great time. Had over 11,000 Vermonters there, have, enjoying every minute of it. And he hasn't been here since he played in Killington in 1960-something. Oh, jeez. Uh, so it was wow. great to have him back, and he did a great job. Now, When did you find out you were going to get the 100 grand? Uh, right there, at the right before the press conference, I, I was chatting with him, and he said, "Listen, I'm going to give a hundred thousand dollars to your fund, and I want to help you raise more." Come on, you, you didn't know, you did no. not know until five minutes no, before I, he said I, it. No, I was driving up the highway about three weeks ago, and my phone rings, and I don't answer uh, calls. I don't know what's coming in, and and uh, I leave. He left a message saying, "This is Neil Young calling. I want to talk to you about this food fight fund." So I called him back, and he said, "Listen, I'm coming to Vermont." And uh, I want to do something to help you. I feel really strongly about this issue. And he explained why. And I said, great. He said, I just basically want to raise attention to it so people give. So fantastic. So we end up there, you know, and uh, he, he at the last minute, they call and say, hey, we want to do a press conference tomorrow, right? It's Hollywood style, not political style. So you just show up. And right before I go on, he said, listen, I'm going to give $100,000 to the Food Fight Fund. I said, wow. hey, that's fantastic. From the proceeds of this concert. 
Wow. So, so and that was your reaction? Wow, that's fantastic. No, what, I, what said, listen, I said, Neil, that is so great. I'm so excited. You're a great. I'm going to make you an honorary Vermonter. We need all the help we can get against these guys, and having your support is huge. Did you tell me you had a heart of gold? I didn't tell me you had a heart of gold, but I should have. I should have sung that for him. Yep. Uh, now, why does he feel so strongly about this issue? What did he tell you about that? Uh, you know, he feels very strongly that he travels all over the world uh, making music. He said, I travel to 36 countries, all of whom give you the right to, uh, you know, let you know what's in your food. He feels very strongly about eating healthy food. I, I had the, the luxury of going on to his bus. He doesn't stay in hotels. He literally moves from concert to concert on his bus. Uh, Daryl Hanna was there, his partner, and his son, uh, who's uh, uh, on the bus with him. And... Uh, he, you know, right when I went in, he was about to eat dinner. So you can see it, a whole plate full of Vermont, good, locally grown uh, food on the plate. And I just think he feels really strongly about clean food, and he feels like he wants to know what he's buying. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like what our guest should be doing, our last guest, chastising her for Exactly. If you didn't know about food. Vermont food, writing a book on food, and you don't know about Vermont-grown food, you gotta, you got to get with it. Mm, all right. Challenging the credibility of one of my guests, I guess, huh? Well, you know, I mean, she seemed to draw a complete blank. She said, I don't, I haven't, she said, what didn't she say? I haven't, I haven't heard, heard of heard that, of Vermont that food. kind of yeah. food. That kind, <laughs> I haven't heard, think she thinks it's a brand. Right. Well, <laughs> actually, it's being promoted pretty much. Is one. Would you is. agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. But uh, so you did not stick around for the whole concert. Why? Well, uh, it was ironic. We were trying to keep the rain away from the eleven thousand Vermonters that were enjoying Neil Young, and looking at the clouds, literally there was a hole above the concert, as if some divine powers had protected the folks from water, and you could see black clouds all around. There was literally a circle as you looked up. Beautiful sky. Anyway, I got a a text from emergency management saying disaster in Barrie, Plainfield area. Uh, they got a huge amount of rain while the concert was going on. I, I jumped in the rig and, and we stopped down there last night. Uh, you know, it's it's depressing. Basically, what happened in Barrie last night uh, is very similar to what happened in 2011, which is that uh, huge amounts of rainfall, uh, trees washed in from Gunners Brook. Uh, it hits Harrington Bridge. It's exactly a replay of 2011. And then when the debris, and it's literally, you're talking about 16, 20-inch trees, hit uh, Gunners, come out of Gunners Brook, hit Harrington uh, Bridge, and uh, it backs up the river, and it all floods into the street, Main Street. So uh, we had, obviously, our three high-water vehicles down there moving people out. We moved about 20 people into the shelter last night. Uh, Tom Lozon, the mayor, was on the job and doing a great job. I was with his whole team. Uh, the Colchester Technical Rescue came down, Stowe Mountain Rescue. Uh, the Guard are helping right now with evaluations, Vermont National Guard. But it's ironic. Uh, we have been through a federally uh, funded mitigation study. We've been looking at this very area. And basically, you know, we have a report that came out a few weeks ago that tells us what we've got to do to that area. And we've got to do it because with climate change, you're going to see more and more rain falling like we did last night, very short periods of time, very localized. And, uh, you know, I raised the question to somebody this morning whether or not that was connected to global warming and these these more intense storms. And the person said, come on, you know, these kinds of things happened before. Well, I would disagree with that person. Uh, I would say that every scientist will tell you that one of the effects of climate change in a place like Vermont is going to be more intense amount of rain that fall very, very quickly uh, in very short periods of time. And we saw that in Irene. We saw it in the two storms that, that 
led up to Irene. These are a harbinger for what lies ahead for us uh, as we uh, continue to destroy uh, the environment with our emissions. So you got to ask, what do we do about it? And, you know, this report came back. It was interesting. It said there are a number of options. One is, you know, take out Harrington Bridge, literally. Uh, the other suggestion is that, you know, over time we buy out the properties on one side of the river there and make it a, a park that can act as a floodplain in situations like this so that the water doesn't rush in to uh, Main Street, putting Barry back underwater, all kinds of muck and, and, and mess. So anyway, we'll be going down this afternoon to help with the assessment, but it's a real, it's a real, it's, it's kind of depressing to be down there seeing uh Barry, after all they've done to rebuild the downtown, uh, sitting there under underwater again. Who would make that decision on, on whether or not to, say, buy out other properties and things like that? So it's a partnership between federal government, state government, and the local community. And we've been having conversations because of this grant, the use of this grant, uh, with the local community about how we best move forward. We've already had some conversations with folks there about, you know, what makes sense, what is the long-term uh, answer here. Obviously, when you start buying out properties, you're talking about, first of all, a lot of money. Secondly, people living in homes and apartments that need to have a good place to live. So it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, but we've got to look at all the options because, you know, contrary to what the person suggests this morning or whatever we think the motive is, this is going to continue. I mean, you can't sit here and say, hey, this happened in 2011. It happened again a few years later. Here we are again in 2015. Uh, we've got to deal with it. And it's a challenge. Now, listen, just locally, uh, for folks living in Barrie, obviously, you know, it's a bit of a muddy mess down there. So we're asking people to uh, try find routes around Brooks, try not to go down Brook Street, Maple Avenue, Harrington Avenue, and the areas uh, around Route 62 and North Main. North Main in particular is pretty mucky. What's the latest you're hearing on Plainfield and other places? They had a lot of road damage, and again, we'll be doing assessments there. If we hit a million dollars, we will appeal to President Obama for federal mitigation disaster aid. Uh, but uh, those are all assessments that we'll start making. The first concern for all of us, and particularly for Mayor Lozon, is get folks uh, who are displaced you know, back into housing and get them, uh, get them secure. 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. You can also reach us toll-free at 877-291-8255. I'm assuming no regrets in your decision not to run? Uh, none regrets, no regrets whatsoever. I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, being able to totally focus on the job, not having to raise money, not having to worry about re-elect, not having everything I say get digested about whether I'm trying to please the right, the left, or the center. Uh, let's remember that in gubernatorial world, uh, most governors have four-year terms, and most governors get two four-year terms. The first four, everything they say is doubted because they're running for re-elect, and they get four total years of not being questioned because everyone knows they're not running for anything. So Vermont's going to get 18 months of that. Uh, Governor Douglas got about 16 months of that. I think it's very helpful because you can really get things done without, uh, you know, folks always questioning whether you're looking for their vote or whether you're trying to get the right thing done. Um, what do you base this idea that you get four full years when you when you get reelected? Because what happens is you get two years in, everybody starts running for the next election, and you become a lame duck in those states. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that that's true. I don't think governors are ever lame ducks for the simple reason that governors have extraordinary power. They're chief executives of a state. Uh, they have uh, a whole, you know, team of folks working very hard to make a difference. And... Uh, Lame duck means that you can't get legislation passed. I don't, I've never seen the legislature in any state go, hey, we're not going to pass this because the governor's not running again. They 
they make an assessment whether it makes sense or not. So I, I sort of think the lame duck thing is overplayed when it comes to governors. Okay. You seem that they're able to hang on because they have a team of folks. Your team seems to be dropping like flies lately. Well, I don't think my team is dropping like flies any more than any team after five or six years makes some transitions. But that's all good. It brings in new blood. It brings in new energy. And, uh, you know, when you work the hours that my folks work, people don't realize how hard they work. Uh, you know, you're constantly telling your family I won't be home at night. Uh, you're constantly uh, working weekends and on the phone, like many of us were up most of the night last night dealing with flood issues. It's always something. Uh, it isn't bad. It's not a bad thing to have new blood, new folks come in as you're as you're moving through. So, I think most governors go through that in all states, and uh, Vermont's no different. But isn't there a value upside too to having people who are experienced who've been around? Absolutely, but look at the hundreds of folks we got working for us. To have four or five or six or seven or even ten over time transition out is, you know, we hate to lose them, but it's not an unexpected or an unprecedented thing. It happens to every single governor in America. Okay, uh, but that number's a lot higher than that, isn't it? I mean, No, it, 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 I don't think that you'll find them. For example, uh, let's take agency natural resources. I've had the same secretary of the agency natural resources from the day I got elected. Uh, she's done an extraordinary job. Now, if you look at back at the past administration, I can remember three. I don't know how many there were. But, you know, you can go agency by agency, but governors, you know, from all parties uh, expect to have some change. And frankly, it gives other people who have been training for the jobs or are ready an opportunity to go in and make a difference. So, you know, as a per as a business person uh, who also saw a transition, you know, people come and go in your in your uh, in, on your team. Uh, I just don't think it's a bad thing. I want to get back to the Agency of Natural Resources in a moment, but back on this gubernatorial question, there was a uh, report, a story that you have been making phone calls on behalf of Sue Minter, the Deputy Transportation Secretary, or the Transportation Secretary uh, to uh, encourage people to support her for higher office. True? Who made those charges um, or it was, allegations? It was in one of the publications that, that you and I both read. I can't remember which one. It was a Republican operative who uh, is uh, trying to uh, create fiction, so I don't think I'll dignify it with a response. All I can tell you is, listen, I have huge high regard for Sue Minner. Uh, she's done an extraordinary job as Secretary of Transportation. Uh, I have a great regard for Shap Smith, Speaker of the House. I don't know who else is going to run, but uh, I have not weighed in on who should be the Democratic nominee. And I'm, you know, to be honest... Uh, I have not made any calls on anyone's behalf, and that's just the way it is. All right, so that was just completely made up out of thin air. This is Mike, suspect, Mike Smith. I suspect it was calculated. Okay. But so, I won't speculate much on that. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get back to the Agency of Natural Resources. Quantify for me the loss of uh, Commissioner Dave Mears. Dave has done a great job, and... Uh, Really, what David did, he did all kinds of things very well, but as Secretary Markowitz uh, pointed out, he was on the front lines of helping us get the Clean uh, Water Act passed, and that's the biggest step forward for clean water in Vermont for Lake Champlain, I think, in the history of the state. So he did the hard job of getting it passed. Now we have the job of implementation. Uh, our team will you know, go at that with great gusto, and frankly, it'll be carried on by whoever takes over uh, as the next governor. It's going to be a long process. What we have to remember about Clean Water Bill is we finally now have the tools, the resources, and I think the consensus across Vermont 
to change the ways that we do business in the three areas that are really polluting our waters. And we know what they are. Runoff from our roads, dirt roads in particular, phosphorus leaching in in storms like we had last night where water just comes pouring down, leaching into the rivers. Everything that happened last night ends up in Lake Champlain, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So that's one source. we got to do better drainage, better protection so that we're not knocking all that junk into the rivers and then ending up in the lake. Second is uh, commercial properties. That means paved uh, paved parking lots, rooftops, what we call impervious surfaces, surfaces that don't absorb water like your lawn. Uh, so that's going to be a huge challenge going forward. And the third is farm runoff. You know, it's about 40% of our challenge. Phosphorus coming off the way we're spreading fertilizer, the way we're planting, the way we're doing uh, you know, a number of agricultural practices. So we now have the resources to go and get it done. And uh, our team will work their tails off to get that done. We have to remember there's going to be a lag between implementing a bill, making the changes we all have to make together, and seeing clean water. Mm -hmm. The uh, replacement for Commissioner Mears uh, is going to be uh, the deputy, Alyssa Shuren, the Republican Party, raising questions about this, saying it provides a conflict of interest because her husband, Paul Burns, runs the Vermont Public Interest Research Group. They said here the spouse of the political boss of a far-left special interest group that advocates specifically on issues within DEC's jurisdiction and asked how uh, she would handle potential conflicts of interest. The uh, uh, Democratic Party, the head of the Democratic Party, called those allegations sexist. Do you think those are sexist allegations? I think it's more than coincidence that every time the Republican Party raises conflict of interest issues in my administration, it always seems to be the women that they're asking the questions about. And, uh, you know, as if uh, somehow, uh, I don't know what the suggestion is from them, but uh, listen, uh, I can tell you that I'm incredibly pleased that Alyssa is going to be the commissioner. She's extraordinarily capable. I'll never forget when she first came on and uh, I had a constituent call like Governor's Get, who was having a challenge uh, moving a f some rocks uh, from his dock in a lake. And he'd been frustrated with it for months and months and months. And Alyssa got on it and cleaned it up for him. Somehow, you know, got, I don't know exactly how it resolved, but he felt very good that he'd been taken care of and that he'd been listened to finally. So she's really good at listening and solving problems. Now, Alyssa will uh, comply with the same conflict of interest issues and, and regulations that all of us comply with, that David complied with, that everyone in my administration complies with. But she's extraordinarily capable, has the utmost integrity, and I know that she, like all people in my administration in a small state, can make a judgment between the work that she should share uh, with her spouse and the work that she shouldn't. Isn't there going to be a pretty large area of potential conflict here, though? No. Why, why not? I mean, they're both in the environmental world. Well, I mean, it's not like, you know, one is in the securities, at, you know, in a SEC or something like that. Or in a small state, we deal with these issues all the time. And if you go back and look at uh, prior administrations where you have two professionals and a couple that are working jobs across Vermont, we could uh, ostensibly come up with these uh, conflicts, uh, you know, or, or challenges uh, because of their roles, you know. Uh, with lots and lots of couples across Vermont where one has a, a government job and the other works in the private sector or the public sector in some other way. So my question is, uh, why is it always when uh, I elevate a woman that the Republican Party asks these questions? Maybe you're hiring a lot more women. Well, that's true. I am. It, would it be different if Paul Burns were going to be the commissioner? Do you think it would be treated differently by the Republican Party or anybody else for that matter? I don't know. Uh, I won't speculate on that. All I can say is uh, 
I pick the people who are best able to do the job. I'll continue to do that. We have very clear guidelines if there ever is a conflict in all areas of state government, as there should be. And uh, just like all of us, Alyssa will follow those guidelines. A couple of questions about what's going on up uh, at Jay Peak and EB-5 World. Can you sit here today and say you unconditionally support all of the projects that are going on up there? Well, let me be clear about Governor's support of EB-5. Uh, and this is true whether it's me or Governor Douglas or uh, governors before us. Uh, our job as governor is to promote, to promote the regional center Vermont's EB-5, and we're the only state in the nation uh, where our EB-5 district is the entire state. And we're also the only EB-5 program where the state actually, you know, has a partnership to make sure that, or to do our very best to look at the projects and have give investors some, some we hope, confidence that, you know, we're actually looking at the projects. It's not like Chicago where you just, you know, the state government doesn't much to do with it. They offer these programs and not all always goes well. So because of SEC regulations, we can't go out and say as governors, this project is great, invest in it. This one is terrible, don't. What we do is promote the EB-5 district across Vermont. So even when I go on an EB-5 trip, which I've done to promote EB-5 projects, I'm there to represent Vermont's interest as a regional provider of EB-5 projects. I'm not there to say, invest in this project at Mount Snow or invest in this project at Jay Peak. Okay, but when you go to Asia with Bill Stinger, you're promoting his projects. No, I'm promoting Vermont as an EB-5 district, and I make that very clear when I speak to the uh, to anyone at those gatherings. When, so when you go to those gatherings and you're going there with Bill Stinger, you're promoting other people's projects throughout the state of Vermont? I and, frankly, my administration, if they're with me, are there to say, this is how the EB-5 program works in Vermont. This is how we're different because most states don't play this role. I ex explain exactly what the role is. I say SEC uh, regulations preclude me from telling you what projects to invest in, but this is the process that you should know about that other states do not engage with. In other words, we do have an oversight capacity that other states don't provide, which give the investors some confidence, uh, additional confidence, we hope, that uh, we actually have take a larger view than these projects that you read about that have not gone so well in Chicago and other places. Brett Raymond, who's in charge of the EB-5 program in Vermont, has raised questions about whether or not there's been full financial disclosure and accurate information coming out. Do you share that concern? I do not know. I'm not familiar enough with what Brett said or what didn't he didn't say. What I can tell you is that I have confidence that as Vermont uh, continues to use this mechanism, as a way to raise resources, capital, to grow jobs and economic opportunity, uh, that we're getting better and better at doing our job, which is giving investors some assurance that we have a system that works. When I came on as governor, uh, the agency that Brent works for, the agency or uh, the agency uh, of economic development, as you know, had two two jobs. One was to promote Vermont's EB-5 center, right. as I just explained, yep. and the other was to offer some financial oversight to those entities. And we looked at that several months ago, about a year ago, and said, God, does this really make sense? Why are we doing this this way? So we're all learning as we go. And we move the oversight to banking and insurance. Commissioner Donegan is now in charge of that. I think that was a good step forward. So we're all improving systems as we go. And uh, I think we're getting better and better at uh, 
promoting EB-5 across Vermont. Speaking of that, you say that it's not appropriate for you to be promoting specific projects when you go places, but you did get involved, apparently, at least according to Vermont Digger, in brokering some sort of a deal here between the Department of Financial Regulations and the JP JPEAK folks to try to get a project moving along. What was that? I did not broker any deals. Uh, well, that's absolutely a, inaccurate. There's a there's a uh, something from the JPEAK folks uh, thanking you for getting involved and smoothing the way on this. I didn't smooth the way, and I don't I don't know what you're referring to in terms of uh, 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 whatever you just said. Smoothing the way. All I can tell you is this, Mark. Listen, my job is to. Uh, bring people together when they're trying to resolve differences and hear them all out. We did have a meeting, which I often do with all kinds of people across the state, uh, when they're working with different agencies and trying to, you know, obviously resolve differences they have. So uh, in, I think it was March uh, time frame, uh, we had a meeting with uh, the EB-5 folks, with economic development and with banking insurance, mostly to clarify who was going to do what because of this new evolution of having moved uh, the, the oversight to banking insurance. Okay. What, what was your role in those discussions? Uh, we had a meeting about who was doing what and where things were at. It was very helpful, uh, but there was really no great uh, resolution. It was really just an opportunity to figure out who was taking what roles in terms of uh, the projects up there. Okay. So c can you say today you have total confidence in what's going on up there? I can say that I have total confidence in uh, Vermont's ability to promote the EB-5 programs, and I think we're getting better and better at doing our job. What are, where are you at on trying to develop priorities for the next legislative session, or is that way too early for that? No, we start that literally when the legislature goes home from the prior session. So You're kidding me. Really? We, we go okay. right at it. Because, right. you know, what people don't realize is that an administration spends huge amounts of time uh, during the session just appearing before committees, you know, answering questions, trying to get things passed, and then you finally get a chance to get back to work when they go home because you've got to start forward thinking right away. But... Uh, there are a lot of things that we're going to be focusing on. Uh, obviously, we want to continue with the progress we've made on energy. And, you know, the fact that we have literally 10 times the number of solar panels in Vermont uh, is a big deal. Uh, we want to continue to move to uh, cleaner, greener energy. Heroin issues and addiction, we've still got a lot more work to do there. I'm having a meeting later today, and you know, we often do about, you know, ideas that we can come up with. We've done... We're doing a much better job at building out the ability to treat people who are suffering from the disease. We're doing a much better job of changing the way we prosecute it from a crime to a health care challenge that it is, particularly whenever someone's not a threat to other people, which is the majority of people that are addicted. But the frustration for all of us is that the pipeline in continues to expand. In other words, there's more and more people signing up for this junk. And the question is, you know, for all of us as a state, as we're trying to innovate, as there really aren't good models on prevention, what ideas can we come up with that will help us to slow down the funnel in? Because this, this challenge is not getting better quickly. Uh, so that's going to be high on our list. Obviously, continuing to put Vermont on a sustainable spending path. You know, I'm proud of the fact that literally our budget that we just passed is 1.9% higher than the budget that was passed a year ago before we started the rescission process. But we've got Vermont on a sustainable spending path. We want to keep it that way. We've got a little more work to finish up there. Um, and, uh, you know, so so those are a few of the things we'll be thinking about. Also, getting health care costs under control continues to be a real emphasis of mine and working with the Green Mountain Health Care Board to try change the way that we're working with Washington, D.C. to 
provide incentives to assure that we're not just spending money without health care outcomes that are making us healthier. You know, how do we make Vermont's health care system work better for patients so that their doctors and providers can actually take care of them and get them the care they need uh, without this sort of endless uh, spending spree that we seem to all be on? It's just not sustainable. Last question. Let's go back here just for a moment to the Department of Environmental Conservation and the, the lake cleanup. There was this story that came out last week that one of the ways that they're going to try to help solve this problem is to beef up the number of people in the department working on this. But in essence, they're taking people from other parts of, of the agency to put into the, those positions. Those other programs, some of which also include pollution prevention projects, like uh, sewer or private um, private septic systems, for example. So what's the logic of, of robbing Peter to pay Paul here? Well, the Clean Water Bill provided funding for new positions to do the work that we're going to get done. Uh, that doesn't look like it's happening, though. Well, I think it is. I, okay, I don't know where what? your information is coming from, but I can tell you that uh, what we knew was well, that... That's from com- the commissioner was saying that they were coming from other parts of the agency. Well... People can move within state government. We know that. And uh, they've always had the ability to do that. That's the way it works with the union. And, uh, you know, we welcome that. But bottom line is we are able to add positions uh, to both A&R and the Agency of Agriculture to do the job that Lakeville asks us to do because they're now funded. And that's what they'll be focused on is the lake cleanup bill. But was the intent to bring those people in from other departments? Well, anyone has the authority within the union to move within agencies if there's openings and if it makes sense. So okay, but it didn't sound like it didn't sound like those thirteen positions that are going to be moved were then going to be filled again. Well, we, as you know, are doing a. We've offered an a early retirement, or not early retirement, because that's actually not what it is. We've offered to folks who already could have retired, so they're beyond retirement age the ability to get uh, financial incentives if they move out of whatever job they're in in state government. You're going to see about 300 folks, we hope, take that opportunity. But uh, that really has nothing to do with the clean water bill. We're going to reduce the size of state government as we do that. That's where we're going to get the savings. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Governor Peter Shumlin. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren, AM 550 WDEV Waterbury, Montpelier. And we'll take a quick break. Coming up next, we'll talk with Victoria Jones. Back right after this. (laughs) 